Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello again. Well, I'm super excited to introduce our next guest, the mingling maven, Susan Rowan. But first, a thank you is in order. We hit the new and noteworthy of iTunes, which is awesome, in three categories and their associated subcategories, whether you were talking about career or self-help or training or the the bigger uh, business, education, or health. That's it. Uh, we're in all of them. So that's really cool. And the download numbers are really big, and that's fun and exciting. So that, that's also kind of news for this show because before, it's usually it was kind of people I knew on social media or real life and people the guests knew on social media in real life and now it's bigger to everyone so that, that's pretty fun so please uh, to help me know what is most useful for you drop on by awesomeatyourjob.com slash contact you can leave some information some feedback for you any method you like whether that's a quick little voicemail or an email or a contact form or you can just shoot me an email note at pete at awesomeatyourjob.com so so thanks so much it's exciting and this lasts for a number of weeks, and uh, we're just grateful for it and really cool. So thank you for that. So I'm on to business content here, talking about our guest Susan Rand today. It's so fun. I met her uh, 10 years ago at an Illini Writers Come Home event, and go figure, this uh, champion of, of networking and mingling had a bit of a memory of me, and we were able to reconnect, and, and she's got some, some great insights to share here. And it was fun because I had read her book in high school or college, because yes, I was that kind of a kid. And then I bumped into her at this event, like, oh, hey, here we are, two Illini writers coming home. That's fun. So uh, Susan Romance shared really from a lifetime of experience in the world of networking and mingling. And some of my absolute favorite takeaways were, one, how to reframe the dirty word networking by calling it what they call it down on the farm. Two, three essential traits for a self-introduction. Three, uh, numerous uh, safe opening lines you can use in conversation when meeting new people. And four, the OR technique, O-A-R, it's an acronym, for keeping conversations going. So a bit about Susan. Susan Rowan is known as the Mingling Maven and is perhaps most famous for her book, How to Work a Room, which has sold over a million copies across 13 countries. She's been named by Forbes.com as one of the networking experts to follow in 2015. As an author and in-demand international keynote speaker, she has shared her message of connection and communication with audiences worldwide and in diverse publications, including The New York Times, Financial Times, USA Today, Forbes.com, CNN.com, Men's Health, BuzzFeed, the San Francisco Chronicle, the Wall Street Journal, and on many TV and radio shows and podcasts worldwide, like this one. So if you want to check out some of the items she referenced or the book or some links, the transcripts, etc., you can find that at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F9, the letters E-P, and then the number nine. And here's Susan. Susan, thanks so much for appearing on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. It is my pleasure because being awesome is what we try to do every day. Oh, and, and it seems like you've got a great track record of that, looking over your bio. But could you also share something awesome in your personal life or outside of the world of work? Outside of the world of work, here's what's awesome. I used to go to Zumba all the time. All right. But And I have been wearing a pedometer for years, but I switched to a Fitbit and now I get minimally 11,000 steps a day. 
I mean, I really make it something that's part of my day. And it's so fun because Fitbit sends you all these badges, which was like, no, send chocolate candy. I don't need a badge. <laughs> so that's the thing about me is I really pay attention to my fitness and my health. And I am really nuts about doing the minimum 10, but 11 and 12,000 steps a day. And by the way, this is so good because when you're taking a walk, you get to think and plan in a wonderful setting. And you cannot imagine how many ideas come into your head while the birds are twittering and the herons are flapping their wings. Well, fantastic. And, and so I'd love to hear maybe a little bit about some of your original ideas that sort of started you down the pathway to becoming the Mingling Maven. Sort of what's your origin story, if you will, if, if the Mingling Maven were a superhero? Well, and the Mingling Maven is there a superhero. There you go, yes. <laughs> well, first of all, we found this out in common. That's how we met. I went to the University of Illinois. That's right. Chicago, went back to Chicago and teach. Moved to San Francisco taught in San Francisco, and then something happened that really hadn't happened in the annals of education. San Francisco Unified laid off and sent layoff notices to 1,200 teachers back in the day because of Prop 13 overage. And my colleagues and I received these layoff notices. That's my basis. And it all came out of, oh my gosh, my friend's and I were being laid off. What will we do next? Well, that's kind of exciting how uh, a piece of bad news turned into a great opportunity for you. And so that I'd imagine once you're figuring out the, the job and career change pieces, you zeroed in on, aha, networking, mingling is absolutely critical to that end. Well, you know, here's what I did. I looked in the newspaper. All these teachers were being laid off. And I was getting phone calls from friends. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. don't know what I'm going to do. Susie Sunshine here said, well, you're good at this. You're good at this. You could do this. And the third time, one of my friends said, well, I know I really can't do that. I got a little, shall we say, Chicago honor. All and right. said, really? You have two gifted sons. You should be able to do something. And then I realized right. it wasn't the best way to motivate anyone. But I knew from being an educator, when you take people through a process so that they know their skills, know what they're good at, know what they want to do, know what they don't want to do, know what's out there, that helps them move along the journey. And so that's why I just I designed the, the workshop. It, but here's the thing. You give me too much credit, Pete. I thought after the workshops, I then would get a job and I uh. didn't care. But I had someone I heard speak on networking. I literally left my house one evening, drove downtown to San Francisco, signed up, heard a woman speak on networking and said to myself, A, that's how I lived my life, didn't know it had a word, and B, I need my former colleagues to know how to do this. And I invited her to be part and be a presenter in that one-day seminar. And after it was off the nonprofit status, I said to her, the late Sally Livingston, I don't know what to do. I have 100 people on a waiting list. And she looked at me and said, oh, my dear girl, 100 people on a waiting list. You have your own business. She said, you must come with me Monday night to hear this fabulous speaker, Patricia Fripp, speak at Women Entrepreneurs. And I did. So here's what I would say to our listeners. When someone who 
you adore, who you know adores and respects and wants you to see, be happy and fulfilled and successful, has an idea, do it. Okay, I'm convinced. So now I'd like to dig a little bit into the, just even the word networking. So you said you didn't realize there was a word for it, but that word is networking. And so I think some people even hear the word networking and they go, ooh, their skin crawls a little bit. They think this is awful. I don't like that. That feels like it's shallow or greasy or we're using people. What's your take on that? Well, I have heard all of the above. And I think I sent a tweet a month ago that said, if you think or say this, stop it immediately. And the reason is when we say networking, and we think of it being sleazy or greasy. It's maybe because how some people under the guise of networking have misbehaved. Oh. But really, networking is a life process. So this is what I would say to you and to our listeners. We gave it this name, but I had a client who told me what they used to call this process networking when he grew up on the farm in Michigan. And this is a term that I think you'll like better, and it'll help you reframe everything you do within this context. Let's hear it. PJ, well, what's the agricultural word for networking? And he just smiled and said, oh, we called it helping. Oh, all right. (laughs) And so really, if someone comes up to you and says, oh, could you help me? I was looking for how many people actually look at people and say, actually, no, I'm a selfish narcissist and I won't help you. (laughs) Nobody does that. So helping people Everybody feels good when they help someone. I am a selfish narcissist and don't want to help you. We could, we could tweet that. That's fun. <laughs> yes. So really reframe the networking. If you think of it in those terms, and there are a lot of people that do, you will really miss out on the essence of life. In the essence of life, and this has just been proven for the 18,000th time, what makes people happy isn't money. It isn't celebrity. Good health helps, but that isn't necessarily it. One thing only, and that is relationships. It's out of a Harvard study of 75 years, relationships. So if you are working a room, if you are networking, if you're showing up at your professional, if you're showing up at work, if you're meeting people, if you are building relationships, staying in touch, showing up, you have a better chance of thinking of yourself as happy than the person that's all about the money, all about the celebrity. Oh, that's, that's, that's lovely. And so is that the, the valence study with the, the Harvard men and um, following I, over the decades? It was a 75 study. And I think the guy's name, and actually I read it, wrote it down, was a Robert Waldinger out of Harvard. And he did a TED Talk, but that's not how I heard him. I was listening to the classical radio station, and they quoted it. Now, you must understand, I called myself and left this message so that I could pick it up and check him out. I would have written it down, but I drive stick shift, and none of our audience wants to be on the road when someone driving stick shift is writing notes to herself. Safety first, absolutely. Well, that's fun. I I look forward to digging into that one. And and so... So networking, we've got a nice little reframe there. We call it helping. That's what they do on the farm. And that seems like something that's just natural to human experience and, and brings about joy and such. So, so then in practice, though, let's imagine a scene like we're at a, a cocktail party, a mixer, a kickoff event for something. So it's happening. I'm there. I'm in the scene. There is a, a person 
that I don't know, who looks a, a little bored, a little looking around, like they could be open to having some conversation. What do I say there? Because I, I think maybe I'm a little self-conscious about small talk or, or mentioning the weather. Like, part of me is just imagining they're going to mentally respond like, really, the weather? Is that all you have to contribute right now? So set me straight. How should I approach this individual and, and how should I be thinking about it? First of all, I am going to set you straight. Right. And I've been doing this to, for like a number of years. What you just described is not networking. Networking and knowing how to work a room, mingle, socialize, circulate, that's one skill. Networking is a separate skill. And that's why I think people walk around, oh, I hate networking, because they really feel walking into a room full of people that they don't know is very uncomfortable. Most people don't feel uncomfortable following up and sending you the article that they promised or introducing you, but walking into a room full of people, that's uncomfortable. Networking is the follow-up skill. You can be great at working a room, but if you have no follow-up, you have no network. And I can prove this because... There are people that are great at networking. Honestly, Pete, they follow up, they send you the material, they introduce you to people, they send you a lead. But the thought of walking into a room full of strangers still makes them uncomfortable. What we need is both skills. Does that make sense? Oh, I, I hear you. So so one you call networking the follow-up, the relationship building piece. And then would you call that, that mingling or what's the term you use for the other call- skill? Being because I wrote the best-selling book on on the title, I call it Know How to Work a Room. You can call it mingling. We also call it socializing. We call it circulating. You can call that, but it is that piece isn't really networking. Networking is the follow-up. Because there are some people, by the way, great in a room. Oh, my goodness, they tell great stories. They're fun to talk to. They're wonderful. And they not only do not follow up, they have no interest in following up. We call them the one-night stands. Oh. Um, They are great at an an event, at a party, at a conference. But if they don't follow up, they don't have a network. And there are a lot of people who really do not want to get involved. I've had a couple people at different programs that I've done say, well, I really don't like to invade people's space because I don't like mine invaded. I can't tell you how many times I wanted to say, why are you here? You should have stayed. Mm. If you're not going to welcome conversation, if you're not going to go over and talk to people, but if you don't want people to come over and talk to you, why leave your home? That makes total sense. So, so let's give you some tips. Let's do it. So here's what I'm going to do. You, you know you've invited. Now, I want to get into the old teacher uh, mode. Take it away. You see the, it, it could be an evite. It could be an email. It could be a mailed invite. You've been invited to a professional association meeting, a wedding, a conference, a meetup. First thing you do, RSVP. People really don't like when people show up unannounced, especially if there's food involved and they didn't order enough. So be well-mannered, pay attention to etiquette, RSVP, and then show up. Now, sometimes some things happen and we RSVP and we can't show up. Then what we do is we send the email, we send the response, says, so sorry, can't make it. Because there's no point in managing your online reputation if you're not managing your in-person and your total reputation. Okay, makes sense. So we follow some some good 
etiquette, some good respectful practices associated with uh, alerting people as to uh, whether you'll be there and, and being appropriately prepared. So that right. seems to be the first phase. First phase. But before you go anywhere, what you do is you prepare. And what you prepare is first a self-introduction. You make sure that you know how to introduce yourself because you can't rely on someone going, oh, there's Susan Rowan, author of How to Work Room. Um, come on in, Susan. Everyone wants to meet you. Well, wouldn't it be great if that were true? <laughs> you are responsible for your own self-introduction. But I want to give everyone the three traits, the Rowan traits of the self-introduction. They are not an elevator pitch. All right. Elevator pitches should be pitched and never even given in an elevator. It irritates most people. Oh. What you do is, yeah, I got into this elevator to listen to you go on about yourself for 15 seconds. I don't think so. But you're, at any event, it's a pleasantry. It's seven to nine seconds. Okay. And your tone hey, it's great to meet you. Oh, you looks like you're blah, blah, blah. You have to sound enthusiastic, interested, energetic. Seven to nine seconds. Second trait of your self-introduction, you key it to the event. You're not going to introduce yourself at a local rotary the same way you're going to introduce yourself to the association of, I don't know, millennial architects. Okay. You have to help people in that room give context for why you're there. So you give them an introduction that has something that lets them know why they're there, why you're there, so they know what to talk to you about. And then the third trait is that instead of giving your title, according to my friend Patricia Fripp, a fabulous author and speaker and executive speech coach, you give the benefit of what you do. Right. Oh, you know, I, you know, I'm Susan Rowan. Nice to meet you. Uh, I help people uh, mingle. Okay, what does that mean? I'm the mingling maven. Give people something so they can ask you the first question, and then you're invited to explain a little bit. Oh, yes, I go all over the world and talk about how to work a room as a keynote or a seminar because I I wrote that book, and then you stop. And you turn to the other person and say these four words. And how about you? All right. So that sounds pretty step-by-step. Step. You've RCP'd, you prepared your self-introduction, and then when you encounter someone, you sort of extend your hand to shake or just say, hello, my name is Name, followed well, by the seconds. Th th how about this? It's a case, if you're standing next to someone at the dessert table, you will probably not say, hello, my name is Susan Ryan. You'll probably say something more impromptu, like, doesn't that look delicious? I wonder how many calories that mini eclair has. It sounds like small talk, but it's what you have in common at the moment. And that's a good place to start, is rather than introducing yourself say something about where you are and what you're both doing, which is trying to pick out desserts. In some situations, leaning in, offering your hand for a handshake and say, oh, hello, I'm Joe Jones, and I see you're with whatever, because you can read name tags. Lean in, offer your hand for a, now write this down, everyone, okay. web-to-web -web handshake. 
It's not a, and please guys, don't do this to us. It's not squeeze our fingers. We don't like that. And women, men don't know what to do. So we must offer our hand literally out for a handshake. And if you think someone, and this is from the chapter of Let's Not Be Misinterpreted, if you think someone will come in too close, lock your elbow. Okay. And then say your name and make an observation. Say something about what you have in common. Uh, or even the old, hey, look forward to meeting you. Look forward to getting to talk to you. Oh, I see you're with so-and-so company. Is this the first time you're here? There are so many little icebreakers we can say. And for the people that say, I don't do small talk. <laughs> and what they're usually saying isn't I don't do small talk. They sound like I am above small talk. But what they're really saying is I'm a crappy conversationalist. All right. Understood. So I'm going to have you switch your thinking not to I don't do small talk to Small talk is the best talk we can do to get to know people, where they went to school, who their favorite teams are, what their interests are. It happens in small talk. Well, and it makes sense that you, you start with what you have because it would be extremely off-putting if you, someone launched right into their heavy life or business, personal issues. Like, we're in a lot of debt and I'm worried that we're going to go bankrupt. <laughs> what? Whoa! <laughs> Okay, and see, this is, a lot of people have been schooled by people that don't know what they're talking about, and I won't mention names, that all you should do is ask questions, because if you ask questions, you get people to talk about their favorite subject, which is themselves. I'm here to tell you that is terrible advice. If you all you do is ask questions, two things happen. You look like you're nosy or an interrogator, and B, you have given the floor over to other people and taking it back is difficult. Understood. Conversation is not asking questions. It's a trifecta. I call it bring your oar and you could paddle through any conversation. The oar stands for observations, asking questions, and revealing. But what your example of like, we're, we're wallowing in debt, don't reveal anything that you would not want to be said back to you or appear in a tweet or in a news article. Excellent. I want to dig into a, a bit more detail. You said there are many kind of opening sort of icebreakers associated, I suppose, with doing some of that uh, observation there. Could you share a, a couple other go-tos that are helpful for folks? Well, if you're going to an event sponsored by someone, what brought you here? Are you a member? Have you found this to be useful? How long did it take you to find a parking space? I mean, just the little things people have in common. One of the wonderful ways when you meet someone is just, hey, you know, sometimes people have told me they've actually said, well, this is kind of uncomfortable to me, but you look friendly. I'm glad to meet you. Put out your hand, say your name, because that way you express that's a little nerve wracking. Most likely the person standing alone finds it equally as nerve wracking. So right there you have something in common. But one of the and I think this is a great opening question, and it certainly works here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Where are you from originally? Lovely. Because in San Francisco, most of us are from other places, and the time that you get someone who says, well, I'm from San Francisco, oh my goodness, a native San Franciscan, and then you have a different conversation. Before the show, Pete and I remembered, he remembered me and reminded me of where we met, the townies from in Illinois, 
living in Chicago, and then you find that there are these points of familiarity. We both went to the same university. I'm from Chicago. He lived in Chicago. You never know if you don't ask the questions, if you don't look at their name tags when they're name tags, if you aren't interested, you'll never find those common bonds. And once you hit those common bonds, conversation flows. Indeed, and there's like a real sense of connection that's starting to to grow there. I want to follow up on that as well as the point you brought about the, the name tags. I think the act of remembering names is amongst the most kind of anxiety-provoking to folks oh, when, yes. when they're in this sort of environment of, of working a room. Do you have any best practices on retaining names? Well, first of all, nobody does. That's okay. number one, unless they are one of those mentalists. So be kind to yourself. Don't think you're going to remember everyone's name that you met because we're meeting like, you know, a hundred times more people than our grandparents met. What you do, and this was taught to me by a gentleman who was one of my in one of my presentations in El Paso, he said, Susan, let everyone know that the best way to remember someone's name is to realize nobody remembered yours. So every time you bump into someone, if you haven't seen them in two months or six months, or if you go to a, a professional event, maybe even a year, put out your hand and reintroduce yourself and he said, with your first and last name. He said, why would I do that? And he said, really, 90% of the people are going to mirror what you do. So if you don't remember their name and you say your first and last name, most likely they will say their first and last name, and then you don't have to struggle. That's good. That's good. And it's rather unlikely, I mentioned, a small percentage of the time will they ever say, "Um, yeah, I know, and we met at this event jerk. <laughs> okay, right. Now, I want to say something that we should never say, because I've heard people do this, and never, ever, ever say to someone, do you remember me? Oh, That puts people on a spot, that embarrasses people, and all of us have moments where we don't retrieve everything right away. You are not scoring points by catching someone on the fact that they didn't remember you. The kinder, more savvy, wiser thing to do and more thoughtful thing to do is to say your name so they're not struggling. But never call people on that. I had someone do that to me. I was with Patricia Fripp at an event in the city and here's our tip. We introduce each other and say the things we might not say about ourselves. Oh, Patricia Fripp, have you met her? Fantastic speaker, excellent executive speech coach, author. Fripp says, Susan Rowan, have you met her? You know, best-selling author. One woman was introduced to me by Patricia, and literally, Pete, she looked at me and said, after I said to her, oh, so nice to meet you, she said, with this tone, we've already met. Ooh. And you know what kills me is I really still don't remember her name because now we have the internet and Yelp and Twitter. And I would really do a couple of things, but I don't remember her name. That's my Chicago coming out of me. Never, ever do that to anybody. Never. Okay. Because it's been done. And what you do in the day and age that you're trying to manage career, be awesome at your job, meet people. You want to make people feel positive about having met you not put them 
in an awkward position. I love it. Thank you. I also want to quickly touch base on talking a little bit about some of the the mingling and networking that occurs in the online world. And you make the point in your expanded 25th edition that of the book, How to Work a Room, that different social media platforms have kind of a different vibe or, or feel to it, kind of like going to a different event or party. Could you speak to that a little bit in terms of saying what's the vibe like at in Facebook versus Instagram versus LinkedIn versus uh, Snapchat or, or whatever you could comment on there? Well, I'm not a, too adept at Snapchat, though I've had the app since it came out. I had a little lesson from a 13-year-old who turned to me and said, why don't you just follow directions? So I'm, oh. <laughs> I thought, okay. Twitter, Twitter, if you don't write anything in all capitals, Twitter is a being a part of the conversation. Being a lurker isn't enough. Follow people whom you respect. Let them know what you like. You can participate in Twitter. Twitter, the best people on Twitter offer sage advice, interesting information, or links to articles that you may not have seen. I do that all the time. I just put out a link to an article about something I didn't write, but someone else did, and I thought it was a worthwhile article. So if you are doing something to expand other people's knowledge base, help them expand their interests. Twitter's a wonderful conversation. You're not going to put pictures of your food. Okay. You're not going to do that on LinkedIn either. LinkedIn's about business. I have a little beef with LinkedIn. I accepted an invitation from someone I didn't know because of how nicely they wrote it, blah, blah, blah. Literally a week later, I get this morning a sales pitch. Oh. I did this. I wrote the person back an email saying I accepted your your invitation even though my policy is never to accept invitations from people I don't know or haven't met and here I am a week later reading your pitch and I said I am going to post this on LinkedIn oh. and go back to my old policy okay LinkedIn you can do some business on LinkedIn but truthfully if it's all pitching your sales and I know a lot of people, social selling, that's not the way to do it. So I don't know what the answer is, but go to LinkedIn. You'll find a lot of interesting information. You can post a blog post. You can share, you know, and introduce people. But using it to just sell, sell, sell ends up getting very tedious. Instagram is all about the photo. I, I'm not even sure. I mean, I put a photo if I want people to see it. People will often put their photos, same photos on Facebook and LinkedIn. My Facebook personal page is different than my Facebook biz page. But by the way, if you want to, you can go to Susan Rowan, Facebook slash Susan Rowan biz with a capital B. And you can see what I put on my business page that I always like to think would be helpful to someone that needs to know how to work a room, communicate, build conversation build a repertoire, and build relationships. Thank you. Well, that, that's helpful distinctions there. And there are some apps, it seems, that will just sort of shoot the same thing to every place. But that seems to be the direction that a lot of marketing gurus are speaking to is native content and specialized content and, and distinctive content because there are different vibes associated with each of these places. So. And yeah, and that's, and that's what people – I know one guy said, oh, I saved a lot of time. Here's the app. 
I would never use it. What I say on Twitter does not belong on my personal Facebook page, which, by the way, I've had my page so long. I was one of the group of the first people that went to Facebook after Facebook uh, expanded outside of the universities. So my Facebook page has a lot of business people, too. So I'll make it a little more personal and not as much business, but I still do a combination of both. Like, I just went to a great dinner, and I thanked the people, mentioned the restaurant, recommended it. I also put pictures of all the food they serve. Would never do that on Twitter or LinkedIn. Understood. Well, well, thanks for, for these tidbits. I'd, I'm just about ready to shift gears into the, the rapid-fire kind of one-minute responses to the, the fast favorite questions, unless there's anything else you want to make sure we put out there before shifting gears. Okay, this is it. Before you go anywhere, okay. read the paper, whether it's online, offline, or on your watch. I used to say if you're Dick Tracy, but now that means uh-huh. that. Read for information. Go everywhere. If you're not sure what conversation you can make, come with three items you could talk about. I mean, no matter what time of the year, there's some sporting event, there's some new movie, there's some new book, there's some trial. Unfortunately, how the world is turning, there's usually something that's happened in a part of a world that is unspeakable, and people do need to talk about it. People make conversation. They talk about food. I'm from Chicago. I'll talk about deep dish pizza for an hour. Mm-hmm. Luminati's or which? what's your preference? Uh-huh. See, now listen what you just said. <laughs> Luminati's. No, I don't like Luminati's. I am a Geno's East girl. It's not just that I grew up there. Went there last summer off of Michigan Avenue. They moved and it was better than I remembered it. I'm glad to hear we're still representing. Yes, we, we said. And you see, people are listening going, well, I don't care about pizza. Well, that was a whole item on when John Stewart I was on the Daily Show, New York pizza versus fork and knife pizza, deep dish pizza. People talk about food. I mean, come on now. We have how many channels that talk about food? Oh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, plenty, plenty. I was just watching Chopped with my mom uh, oh, recently. There you go. <laughs> they, just keep, they just keep going. So, all right. Well, let, let's kick it off then with uh, the fast favorites. Can you share with us a favorite quote, something that inspires you again and again? Yes, and I have it right up here in my office, and it's a calligraphy frame. What's let go of provides space for what's to become. Oh, beautiful. So when you think something hasn't gone well, and in our careers, things often don't go well. I mean, I was a laid-off teacher. Who knew that I would have this career seminar leader, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and I was good at teaching, but what I had to do is let go. And how you find out sometimes what the next step is, pay attention to what people are saying to you. Hey, you're really good at this. You're really good at this. Say thank you and make a mental note and then go home and or take out your smartphone and write down compliments. Oh, thank you. How about a favorite habit, a personal practice of yours that's been very effective? Well, besides my walking, my favorite habit is I get up early. I get my three print newspapers. Yes, those are just the print ones I read. Mm -hmm. And I multitask by watching The Night Before, The Daily Show, Larry Wilmore and Seth Meyers and Stephen Colbert while I read the paper and do social media. I do my social media the first thing in the morning because the East Coast is three hours ahead that sets the tone for the day. And I think of 
what am I reading, what am I hearing, what have I written that might be helpful to other people? That's that old teacher part. What can I do or say or write or tweet or post that might be helpful to someone else? And that's what I do. Start off the morning with social media, my papers, and my, my boys, Seth, Stephen, Trevor, and Larry. I love it. There's a, there's a close relationship there. They and, don't know it yet, but <laughs> they, they will love me later. And, and can you tell us about a, a favorite uh, nugget or truth bomb, something that when you share it, it gets folks not in their heads, taking notes, retweeting. Uh, what are some of those gems for you? This is a favorite Susan Rowanism. All right. Bring who you are to what you do. People will not relate to your title, but they will relate to you as a person. So bring who you are to what you do. There was a school of thought, well, I have to keep my business and my personal life separate. That is so last century. Noted. And... How about a favorite way to, to find you? Is it best for folks to visit your website or Twitter or email? I think the website is great, which is S-U-S-A-N-R-O-A-N-E.com. Has lots. We just put in drop-down menus. And there's a photo gallery link on the front page where you can see what I do. Some of it is speaking. You can see what I've done when I go to the famous Sears restaurant here in San Francisco and play with the pinball machine, one arm Bandit. You can see what I do when I'm not speaking as well as where I've spoken. Just put up a photo gallery. Go to my website, but also go to the blog because that has a lot of articles, including the Ten Commandments of Connecting and a recent one that I wrote for SHRM, Society of Human Resource Management, based on How to Work Room and my book, Secrets of Savvy Networking. So go to my website. But if you're listening to this and you have a burning question, you email me and we'll brainstorm a solution, whether it's about working a room, whether it's about communicating, whether it's about changing your career, getting a new job, and it's Susan at SusanRoan.com. But if you want to hire me to speak for your company or your organization and have a budget, by all means, 415-461-3915. Call me. Oh, thank you. Immediate access. And how about in terms of a parting words, a favorite challenge or call to action you'd leave folks who are seeking to be more awesome at their jobs? A, being more awesome means the obvious that you work hard. You ask questions about what you don't understand. If you see someone that you think is good at it, you can have them become your mentor. You don't have to say, will you be my mentor? Because it's not Valentine's Day. But you can, you can inspire people to want to mentor you. But the second thing is, no matter how good you are at your job, the ability to work a room, communicate with people, approach people, make connections is what's going to take you to the next level. And by the way, if someone comes to my website and signs up on my mail list, which is right there, you get a free copy of my ebook, which is The Nuances of Business Networking. Oh, thank you for that. And also, thank you, Susan, so much for taking the time here today. This has been a real treat, and I thank you for the wisdom you shared with me when I first read your book in high school and, and continuing to share here now today. It's been a real treat. Thank you so much, Pete, and I hope everyone is awesome at their job. Thank you.
Well, I hope that was as much fun for you as it was for me, and you're now kind of charged up with an extra dose of confidence and tools for the next time you find yourself in a mingling environment, as well as a healthy dose of accountability for make sure you follow up with people and don't drop that ball if you owe them something. I've done it before, and it's been done to me, so I'll make the world a better place. So again, you can find that stuff at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F9 for the goods. And I look forward to next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.